Welcome to the ECE Quality Ireland podcast. I'm Celine Govern. And I'm Paula Walsh. And today we're going to be discussing uh, the various curriculum um, models that are out there that we all learn about during our training. We're going to discuss why some settings might actually choose to follow a particular curriculum approach or a curriculum model and how that either does or does not align with the Ashter framework um, and, you know, the curriculum being child led and emergent and following the needs of, you know, the unique child. So this stems back to a conversation that myself and yourself had, Celine, a couple of weeks yeah. ago where you had a bit of an aha moment. Um, so maybe we'll start with you. Give it a bit of background on that. Yeah, super. So that's exactly what happened. I had the aha moment and wondered, was I dreaming? So I contacted you and ran my aha moment by you. And I think you had the same moment. So my son, who is currently working with us on his work placement, is um, an engineering graduate who is changing his field of work and coming to work as a preschool teacher. So he's doing his level five um, in a wonderful college that I won't name, but it, it really is a wonderful course. And I, as you know, run a service which I consider to be completely child led. So, you know, week on week he was coming home and he was saying, as he was learning about the different curriculum models, he was saying, do you know what? We're really very frebble. And I'd say, well, I can see a bit of frebble there, but, you know, I'm really child led. And he was saying, oh, OK. And then the next week he'd say, do you know what? You're really Montessori. And I say, oh, I'm definitely not Montessori. I'm child led. And he'd say, well, I can see a lot of Montessori. And this went on and went on and it went on with Steiner and it went on with High Scope and it went on with Ashter. And, you know, and then he said, this blew me away. He said, why would any school choose to operate just one model? Because he said, most schools have 22 children. When he says schools, he's referring to early years preschools. So he said, one model is never going to um, take into account the needs and the wants and the likes and diswants and the personalities of all of the children. He said, why don't services understand and um, facilitate all of the different models? And in, in such case, then we are truly meeting the needs of the child. And I couldn't answer him. Mm. I said, oh, I don't know. I don't know, but I've been thinking about it since. Yeah, and I know it, it was a bit of an aha moment for me too. And, you know, I think there are a lot of settings and a lot of people will probably think, well, I, I, we, we are child-led too. And and I'm yeah. no doubt, I've no doubt that that's most settings, you know, align themselves as much as they can with the child and their emergent yeah. interest and stuff. But yeah. yes... You know, there are schools that, well, sorry, preschools and early childhood education mm-hmm. settings who mm-hmm. will from the outset when they set up and when they get going say, well, we're following the Montessori approach or yeah. we're a Steiner school or, you know, we're yeah. um, a Waldorf school or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so really then, you know, that is a decision pre-made without consultation yeah. with the children, without getting to know the children, you know. And, exactly. you know, I, I wonder how that, you know, aligns authentically with Ashter for a start. And, mm-hmm. you know, there must be some kind of um, 
you know, Ashtar is a framework upon which yeah. we can sort of build, you know. So my thinking is that, as as your son so rightly said, um, is that, you know, we learn all about all the different curriculum frameworks, the curriculum approaches mm. and the curriculum models. Um, and we have that knowledge um, to be able to build a unique curriculum on the Ashtar framework that meets the needs and the interests um of all the individual children. And that's yeah. something that, you know, even every year needs to be re-looked at because from year to year, the children who come in in September and leave in June um, have a completely different set of interests, completely different personalities and backgrounds, completely different funds of knowledge, you know, that they bring um, that are going to be different and have a different dynamic than the year before. So, so yeah, and I know from my own experience, um, you know, I managed an outdoor preschool and although we were child led and play based, when we had to, you know, and some people would ask the question and, you know, we discussed yeah. and some some documentation you're asked, you know, yeah. what what philosophy alignment, we would have said, oh, well, we're, we're very regio, I suppose. But at the yeah. same time. What about that child who would actually uh, really benefit from, you know, a more Montessori philosophy who's in that school, who's in that mm-hmm. setting, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's, it's a real, um, point for reflection, isn't it? To think about, well, yeah. how, what we're doing, how we're doing it. And, you know, is it right in a way to align ourselves from the outset with one curriculum? approach for those settings that do and that's not to say there's nothing wrong with those curriculum approaches because I think they all have a lot to give but they're not going to suit every child and you can't can you or can you be truly child-led I suppose if if you align with guiding in advance yeah 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 and I mean you know I suppose I would resist and I have done this very strongly over the last few years and it's taken a long time to get here but I tend to resist anything that's too adult led so as soon as I find myself doing too much I have to step back and say "Mm, is this too adult led and and then I look I look at deciding you know if I for example was to was to decide we are a Freble school well that's an adult decision taken by me as the provider and then I impose that decision on the staff that I hire because I'm telling them that regardless of their belief or their training that my school is a Freble school I'm just using this as an example and then I'm imposing that on the children as well so I've really stepped across the the line that I've drawn for myself in terms of stepping back from being adult-led but you know it's also important to note that this is not a criticism of any model yeah um you know I mean I'm familiar as you are, as we all are, with most of the models, some more than others, and they all have merit and they all have wonderful things to offer. I would definitely also say that some of them are of their time and, you know, that they were developed in the 17 and 1800s and were very relevant in an era where childhood, edu- early years education had not even been looked at or examined and they were insightful and you know, really gave an insight into how children develop, etc. But we have moved on and it's 2022. So I would say that all of the models have elements in them that we can draw on from each of them. Yeah, and I- within our settings, because every setting is different, 
how we bring them together and merge them into one curriculum model that suits our setting is probably going to be different for every single setting in the country. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I would imagine, you know, that if you were, you know, 100% saying where I'm a Steiner school or I'm a Montessori school, um, but then you have this Ashton curriculum framework that, and, you know, we have to be child-led. We want to be child-led and to mm-hmm. consider the rights of the child and their voice and their participatory rights, you know, to have a say. Um, and we want to look at their emergent interests. I would imagine that a school that does sort of, you know, very much align themselves with a particular curriculum approach must have to um, bend that approach and flex it around the child and find that maybe there's elements that they have to move away from yeah. you know what would yeah. it, what the original sort of strict philosophy of you know so to speak you know is um and then that begs the question you know why align yourself to that model in the first place if you know you're going to have to bend you know and yeah. why um you know as you say a lot of these you know, the, the models that we are aware of, they were probably brought about and introduced and, you know, um, theorized before the general um, society's perception of the child as an individual with their own rights and, you know, what came, for came, sure. came to be. So, so yeah, I, I feel that, you know. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And when I we mean, look at, Sorry, go ahead, Celine. No, 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 go on. So, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that the the um, the voice of the child 200 years ago, you know, um, was certainly, I'm not saying that they didn't look to that, but not to the extent that we do now. You know, um, you know, Freble, Montessori, they were, they were all interested in the child. The child was the centre of all of the philosophies. But their perception of how much influence the child should have on their own learning is different to how we view it now. And to, I mean, to, and, and I, you know, you'd have to beg the question in a hundred years time, you know, this conversation will be very different again, because societies okay, yeah. change and cultures change and everything changes, you know, and academia changes and, and all that kind of stuff. Something that always, um, I always find really interesting is this conversation in relation to parents, you know, do parents have, um, do they understand, do they have, do they make informed decisions? Do they feel that even though we're all certainly in a preschool in Ireland, we're all on the Eki scheme, we all follow the Ashter framework, we're all inspected in the exact same way. Do, however, parents feel that schools that offer a very strict, I'm going to say Montessori, you know, and that Montessori is in their title, do parents feel for some reason that that's superior? So that there is perhaps like an unconscious bias towards what their understanding of a particular curriculum approach would be. And in saying that, I I also think that there might be, you know, there would be a lot of preschools um, and early childhood education settings out there that might have a particular word in their name but yet they don't actually yes uh, implement that curriculum strictly you know so yeah I think perhaps that is a that is a question that maybe there is a a sort of a um Mm -hmm. conscious sort of bias there yeah um, yeah I feel there is my my, yeah yeah my suspicion 
is that there is, um, you know, and I think parents have no way really, I, I, I think it's changing a little bit, but I think in previous years, parents genuinely did think that um, a school that offered a particular type of curriculum was um, offering more than a play school or preschool. That is, of course, changing now. And certainly within the sector, we understand the importance of play now. And I think hopefully it's filtering into the parents. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about the schools around me. I'm, I'm, um, I have funny, my, I have two titles. I don't know how it ever happened. In some documentation, I'm the village preschool and another documentation, I'm the village play school. It, you know, it's just the way it, it has happened. But yeah, around me, we would have a lot of the Montessori, whatever, or the village Montessori, or these are names I'm making up, but you know, they are specific curriculum models within the name so it does define that that's what they're doing but I think you're right based on all of my visits and I do a lot of visits to settings they are doing it loosely yeah yeah and that's not to say there's something wrong with that either but I suppose oh, no. the, the question we're asking is mm. if you're going to align yourself with a particular framework and you're going to do it loosely probably out of necessity from having to you know you know, yeah. uh, follow the Astro framework and because mm. also because you're consider- taking into consideration the rights mm. of the child and, you know, you're trying to do that authentically, yeah. but within the constraints, perhaps, of a particular curriculum yes. approach, whether that be Frebel, Steiner, whatever it may be, um, then why bother to put that there? Why bother to lay that out in the first place, you know? Um, because I think when we look at the shield to standard of curriculum, that doesn't say that we have to have a curriculum. It says we have to have a curriculum or um, a framework, I think it says, you know. Um, oh, it says a broad-based, a verifiable, broad-based, documented and flexible curriculum or program. So when you consider Ashter, that's certainly verifiable. It's documented mm-hmm. and it's flexible. Mm-hmm. It's not a program, a curriculum, it's a framework. So it's so whatever program you're implementing and to be broad based, surely you have to bring in elements of all curriculum approaches, you know, building that upon. I think of it like a patchwork of the ball built upon, held up by the the Ashton curriculum framework and the patches that you put on and the amount of them drawn from each different kind of. Uh, your your knowledge base or your funds and knowledge from all the different curriculum frameworks or the different curriculum approaches then um you know will be dictated by the interests and the needs um of the unique children that you have in your setting at any one time so it can't remain fixed you know it has to be you know flexible and it's going to change week to week year to year child to child you know i would nearly argue that you know each child needs their own individual curriculum you know they really do um you know and that we were talking about you know I think it was Rudolf Steiner who said the child is the curriculum which is Mm -hmm. very true but yes the child can't truly be the curriculum within the constraints of any particular curriculum approach has to be the child is the curriculum and then we build their unique curriculum based on the Astra framework, drawing on all of our knowledge from all the other approaches. That's what I feel. And I think a lot of places are doing that. 
And maybe most places are doing that. But the purpose of the discussion is, well, then why align yourself with a particular approach? Why put yourself in that pigeonhole? In that box. You're putting yourself in a box. And I love your imagery of the patchwork curriculum. And I do a lot of patchwork myself with fabric. So I can really see, I see the image now is is is, is um in front of me. But, do you know, I think... I mean, I, I'm in operation, we're going into our 20th year and things were very, very, very different 20 years ago. And, you know, I started and um, I, I really, we learned as we went, you know, and I certainly didn't start with any particular, um, met, you know, model in my head. And it was only a few years later when my model developed in such a way and it was influenced by the fact that I was a rural school, it was influenced by the kinds of children who came to me mostly from farming backgrounds. It was influenced by the kind of parents that we had, by the kind of environment that we we had access to because my school is in a certain place. And so therefore that is our environment and by our community and all of those things. And it was only then actually that I looked at the way my model had developed and I linked I I looked at all of the different theories and curriculum models and I realized that I am probably and I it has happened organically I am most like a Reggio Emilia school so you know rather than me saying this is what I want to be and my staff and my parents and my community and most importantly my children will all fit into this I actually did it the opposite way it all happened by accident I didn't plan any of that But on reflection of what I was doing and the kind of school that I had created in the first three or four years, I began to realize that the one I was most like now in the last few years, um, we went outside full time around four years ago, three to four years ago. There's a huge amount of Frebel in there, Mm. you know, Frebel and the kindergarten. There's a huge amount. But I'm not, I'm still not letting Reggio go because there's a huge amount of Reggio with me as well. You know, the village style approach, we're right in the middle of the village community and parents. We went for a visit today up to the local allotment and we saw the hens and that's hosted by the community and, and the parish um, in, in that particular housing estate. You know, we had our parents in this week and we went on a big, big walk around another park in the village. That's all Reggio. The free flow, the open plan, the open door to the outside, that's all Reggio, you know, and and really for me, the environment in Reggio was one of the reasons why I went, oh, that's us. Our environment is so good. It's like having the third adult in the classroom, you know, but now I'm beginning to see Freble is coming as well, you know, and as you say, depending on the children I have next year, something else is going to come in there. And I'm sure even without realizing it, I have Montessori and I have Steiner and I have Walder. I have them all. So I need to understand them all, don't I? And I need to be able to recognize which one each child needs at this moment in their life. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, I feel genuinely, and this is something I've thought about a few times, I actually feel the amount of educate or curriculum approaches that we are exposed to in our formal training is mm-hmm. quite limited is quite limited and i think mm-hmm. it should be broadened out i came across um um an educational a philosophy around education there purely by accident last year and i wrote a blog on it and it, it was a, a man a ukrainian man called um what was his name vasily sukomlinsky which i'm sure okay. i'm 
sequencing incorrectly. (laughs) Yeah. And he was very much about the community and, you know, but everything was centered around the child, the child's interests. And, you know, the children decided what they would learn. This was more at a primary school level, you know. Yes. The children would decide what they would learn. They'd forge very close links with the community. Um, you know, for example, if children couldn't come into school because they were ill, their classmates would be brought to visit them, things like that. And um, I just thought, I loved it. And I went, why have I never heard of this person before? Yeah, well, neither you have know, I. Hands up, like, neither have I. It's like what I call the usual suspects that we learn about, yeah. you know, which, and we learn about them for a reason because they have a lot to give and they're, you know, tried and tested, I suppose. And, you know, and they do have, they all have, you know, their merits. But there's so yeah. much out there that we should, you know, be looking to, that we can draw upon as well. And have you heard of, and I'm sure you have, the Sudbury School approach? I have heard of the Sudbury School approach and I read about it. It's a number of years ago now, and I'm just not as up to date as I should be. Um, remind me. So the Sudbury School, so their philosophy, I have a thing open here in front of me to remind me because I would have absolutely loved to send my children to a Sudbury School, but mm-hmm. there's none close to me. And there's only a few in the country. Now, they are private and fee paying, which also is yeah. another barrier, unfortunately. But I certainly think that the standard curriculums, curricula, you know, right through from, you know, the whole continuum right through from early years, right through to to, to secondary and third level could draw a lot more on it. And it's basically they don't have a curriculum. Um, it's like the homeschool philosophy, but in um, an environment, you know. Yes. So there, yeah. you know, I'm just reading here off my screen about from a Sudbury school. So the Sudbury philosophy, um, Sudbury school students have total control over what they learn, how they learn, their educational environment, how they are evaluated. They choose their curriculum. They choose their method of instruction through a democratic process. Um and this, it very much reminded me of the, that guy that I can't remember his name, Sukolinsky, I think his name is. Ukrainian chap. Yeah. Vasily, I'll call him because that was his first name. That's easier for me to say. Sorry to any Ukrainian people who are listening. Um, but yeah. And, um, you know, in that he also was very much of, you know, the children decide and both the Sudbury uh, philosophy as well. The teachers need to have practical hands-on skills that they are able to impart to the children. Um, And I just loved that. And I thought that was Yeah, do you know what? There was a program on either BBC or Channel 4 a couple of years ago, and it was the Sudbury School Approach or Model. And it was about secondary school children who had opted out um, or were school refusers. in, in the standard secondary school model in England and they went to a Sudbury school and it was fascinating. I'll see if I can find the link and we can pop it with the um with the podcast maybe when we post yeah. it. Really, really interesting. And my goodness, they do decide. They decide if they want to explore World War One, that is the history that the teacher um yeah. plans for and 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 you know the, the 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 kids go off and they decide what part of that war that they want to to examine you know there there's absolutely nothing adult directed they're facilitated constantly and it's it really is nice and I, you say, I do pain yeah yeah and i do think that that ethos and that philosophy is what we do try to do when we say we're mm. child-led and emergent 
you know, um, that's, yeah. uh, that's why Shielda has a standard of consultation and interactions and the rights of the child. That's why children have those participatory rights that we need to be, you know, authentically including them in the decision making as opposed to, you know, and that can be difficult, you know, to do yeah, authentically okay. because, you know, yeah. like that, we have to be able to stand back. But our role is facilitator, yes. I think, first and foremost. Completely. Um, completely. So, and, yeah, go on. No, I was just going to say, so that's sort of where our conversation was coming from initially about why you align yourself, why pigeonhole, because it also brings into play, I think, the power balance between the adult and the child. If you're deciding in advance, as you say, we are such and such a curriculum approach, um, you know, even if their voice. Yeah. yeah, Where is their voice in that? Yeah, I completely agree. There has to be some kind of a conflict, you know, so I think that, you know, similar to the Sudbury thing, the Sudbury philosophy that the skills that we bring as educators mm-hmm. uh, um, into the preschool, the early childhood approach is our, what should be a vast and broad based knowledge of all curriculum frameworks so that we can build that individual, you know, curriculum around patchwork each individual curriculum. child, yeah. the patchwork curriculum on the Astra framework, you know. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I think it's been a wonderful conversation. I hope people engage and, and share their ideas um, we're not criticizing any one curriculum. We want to know about them all. And we're just, we're Absolutely. interested. We're interested. Yeah. And it's all about, it's all about the child at the end of the day and exactly. putting them at the center. Of and it's really important that we, you know, we do have conversations yeah. like this and we, we take time to reflect on what we're doing and why we're doing it and the way we're doing it. And that's a really important part of professional practice as well. Yeah, so um, that was a fantastic discussion. So just before we sign off, I just want to wish everybody a really nice, um, summer for anybody who is finished up now um, for the two months sit back and enjoy and reflect and for anybody who is continuing on in full daycare services I hope you get a little bit of respite and um, we look forward to a really um, busy podcast schedule over the next um, academic year we have a wonderful lineup planned we just have to to convince all of them on the list that they must take part. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to seeing where where the podcast goes next year. As you say, there's a few really interesting and exciting guests and and then obviously some interesting and exciting discussions with just the two of us. So thank you to everybody for listening and we will talk to you all soon. You can follow us um, and get us on various platforms where you get your podcast and you can follow us on Twitter, ECE Quality Ireland. Um, and thanks for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.